the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book, and you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi. Mike Z here, and on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I'm joined by Justin Johnson, the CEO and founder of BudsFeed. And Justin, I'm thrilled to have you on here. I think BudsFeed is a super cool platform. And before we get into all that and some of the other cool things that you work on, I was hoping that you could introduce yourself to to the audience and and tell us a little more about you and and your many adventures in the cannabis world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Justin Johnson. Uh, you know, grew up grew up West Coast primarily, so I've been out here in New York for about nine years, but spent most of my life in Seattle and Los Angeles. Um, went to college out there and started my career in advertising uh, on the West Coast. Um, you know, spent about 13 years of my life in, in advertising in, in particular, and, um, you know, probably about the last two or three years of, of that particular career or lifetime in the consumer tech space. Um, you know, being from Washington State, living in California, I'd say that cannabis has always kind of been a part of my life. Um, culturally, working in advertising, it was always something that was very acceptable. So I felt, um, you know, pretty, pretty fortunate. I kind of got to be in college for the, my, my, my adult career. And so when I made the um, decision to really enter the cannabis industry, I think it made a lot of sense, both, both you know, from as a, as a person with a lot of consumer experience, but also coming from a creative field where, you know, I wasn't crossing a chasm that you know, like I felt like I would be disowned by, you know, half of my, half of my, uh, my relatives or, or coworkers. So, um, yeah, yeah. Most, most of my life in the, the advertising field though, before starting BuzzFeed. Gotcha. And how or why did you decide to enter the cannabis industry? Yeah. You know, I think one thing that I noticed when I was running uh, business development for a social content studio was, you know, I was working with Frito-Lay and U.S. Bank and Purina and some of the biggest consumer brands in the world who are, you know, spending millions of dollars on, on, on advertising, both the content and the media. Um, you know, I felt like consumer acceptance in addition, you know, just the, you know, the legalization train that we were starting to see March you know, starting about 10 years ago, as these states kind of started to fall, um, I felt like the cannabis industry was kind of going into that direction. Um, I had a lot of knowledge about it from just being a, a personal consumer and hanging out with people uh, in the space. And, uh, you know, for me, I felt like it was a good opportunity because while I was working with these brands who had the ability to advertise on these platforms, um, or even, you know, they can't really even post it without, you know, the, the possibility of, of being shut down. Um, you know, I felt like there was an opportunity to build a place that, that, that added value to those, those entrepreneurs in particular, gave them a place to share their, share their products, get exposure for their products, 
and and network with um, with their customers. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's kind of a I saw a limitation in social media, and frankly, even publishing. I felt like a lot of the publishing was was very uh, um, you know niche niche towards the lifestyle, and there wasn't any kind of bigger platformification of of the industry happening. And so, when did you actually go all in on cannabis and start BudsFeed and and get involved as an entrepreneur in the industry? Yeah, so I would say probably it was probably around 2016 that I had the initial idea for BudsFeed. And like any great idea, you go and you buy every domain possible. And I was thrilled that I got the domain. So I had this concept. I was working at the agency. Um, I was I was really looking to pursue. I I probably invested a couple thousand bucks in just building like you know an MVP of what a publisher might look like, writing some stories. And, uh, and then Jeff Sessions became our attorney general. And I was like, uh, is this the time? Should I do this now? And, and mind you, this is before I really got plugged into the community in New York and really knew, knew people in the circles that you've been walking around with, you know, for, you know, a better half of the last decade. Um, and so, you know, I kind of put it on pause. I was working at a, at a startup um, and working on it in the background. And, and, you know, frankly, one day, um, I got a call from uh, someone who I managed for several years and her um, father had retired and was starting to invest in cannabis and, um, you know, honestly asked me to advise him on a couple investments just to see if I felt like they were going in the right direction um, in terms of, you know, processing licenses and, you know, there's, there's a million things that he asked me about these investments. And, uh, you know, after after those things kind of went through, I mean, he had a good experience with me, asked me about my idea and uh, if I would be happy to propose a business plan to him. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously I took advantage of that opportunity and shared it with him. So that was late 20, probably mid 2018. By late 2018, um, I closed, uh, you know, an initial round of, of funding, uh, quit my job and started building the idea. Um, and so I was pretty fortunate in that regard that, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lifelong servant, you know, when you think about when you do work for a salary, it's consistent, it comes with medical benefits, it's something that I, you know, was always comfortable with, so I was pretty blessed to have the opportunity to um, kind of not worry about that, and, and kind of pursue just building this thing for, for the last, you know, couple of years now, um, yeah, that's how it happened, man, it's, uh, you know, be, be good to people, and things come, come back around, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with this person that I had managed five years ago and built a really trusting relationship. I don't, you know, probably wouldn't have trusted me to have that relationship with her father. And so. Right. I, I love that story. It reminds me of the saying fortune favors the prepared. And right. <laughs> you, you had something that you were working on and it, it almost developed pardon the pun organically where someone reached out to you and Hey, I, I have some cannabis questions for you. Can you help me out? And then, you know, one thing led to another, and eventually, you know, this project that you were working on became, you know, this next investment for yeah. for this person. I'm curious, why did they reach out to you with these cannabis questions? I'm guessing you maybe had a reputation as being 
knowledgeable about cannabis related issues or, or enthusiastic about cannabis or something like that? What get, can you yeah. give me some color there? Well, I was always very open about consumption and I was allowed to kind of where I worked fortunately, and it was, it wasn't frowned upon or anything like that. So I, I was fortunate to work in a great work environment. Um, but when I left the agency, I left with the intention of building BudSpeed. And people had um, knew that I had this knowledge. People knew that I had been really investing myself into researching it. Honestly, starting to meet more people in the New York community that are behind the advocacy um, groups. Like, um, for instance, one of this is like one of the best things that happened kind of in general with BuzzFeed was I used to manage uh, uh, a, a guy named Jeremy and a woman named Melissa. And they happened to be roommates with Ryan Lepore, who's the deputy director of NYC Normal. So when I left to do, you know, when I left to do this thing, and I kind of announced it to my company because I was, I was a partner in my company and I was leaving to do this basically, you know. And um, uh, you know, Jeremy connected me with Ryan when I started it, and 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 it just so happened that the young woman I'm talking about, um, she remembers when I, you know, when I left to do this, and and you know, when it when it came up in a personal conversation, she just thought of me. You know, obviously I think there's probably traditional consultants, especially at the time, because I, you know, I, I didn't have a tenth of the knowledge that I do now, but um, yeah, yeah, it's relationships, man. That's all consulting too. I think the, the situation that I explained of how I got the investment, I don't, it, in the climate we're marching into right now, I don't know how, it's not like, it's still a very fortunate thing to happen, but I don't think it's going to be uncommon. I think that there's going to be a lot of money available for people in the cannabis industry, especially with different ideas that have been executed already, you know? Um, um, and, and even so, there's going to be a lot of money available for processing facilities and things that, you know, people know are going to generate cash. Like we're getting to that stage now where this is looking like the only bipartisan issue in America and one of the most investable things since like we started mining gold. So. Absolutely. I love that story. Shout out to Ryan Lepore. Great guy, great advocate. And I'm happy to say that he's, he's a, a staple of the New York community, a leader in the New York community and does great work. So that's awesome that you guys got connected and that kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, I, I want to take a step back because I, I heard you say a couple of things I want to highlight. One is that you left a company that you were a partner in to go and pursue a cannabis startup. And I, I want to highlight that because I think something that is often overlooked, especially by less experienced entrepreneurs and folks that want to get into cannabis is that you're going to have to sacrifice to get into this space. You're going to have to pay some cost, whether it's you know the, the time, the money, or the security of a stable job. You have to be willing to give something up in order to come into the cannabis space and build something. And right. so you know that requires a certain amount of conviction, a certain amount of courage, and a certain amount of financial stability to be able to do that. So I just want to encourage anyone and everyone who's listening, you know, to be mindful of that 
before you dive in, so to speak. The other thing I, I heard you say that I wanted to highlight was that as you were making that transition, you were doing research, you were investing in, in getting prepared, which I think is another thing that people unfortunately too often skip is doing the homework and doing the research and actually getting to understand what it is they're getting into before trying to get into legal cannabis. So can you speak a little to how you were getting prepared and how you were planning and, and what that process looked like for you? Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it's funny. I think people walk into the industry and they think like, I, and to some degree I did too, like I got a great name, got a strong, strong background. I used to make music videos. I worked with Amex. Like I'll be able to come in here and knock it out of the park. Nobody, nobody around here cares about that how long have you been in this game you know how many times have you gone and advocated for legalization in new york um that's what a lot of people at least in the community that that you know you're setting this company up in new york you know the, the, that's what the people around here care about so um again very fortunate to meet ryan i think ryan you know got me involved Early on, he connected me with the guys at Comeback Daily and hanging out with them and just learning about what they're doing with CBD on their end, um, hanging out there, meeting some of those folks, understanding what's important to them as a business, um, you know, meeting people, other people that come in and hang out there and seeing what they're doing as a business, because there's a lot of businesses already in New York that I didn't even know about. So so part of it was was really just hanging out with people who were in this, you know, and Ryan happens to also work at Presto Doctor. So he's like, he's in the scene like all the time, professionally, pretty lucky uh, scenario for him. But, um, you know, finding people that would come in and they were, you know, they were an accountant, they'd come in, they had their little cannabis thing on the side and maybe they were meeting there and, 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 and connecting with other people. So that in particular, and then the advocacy stuff. So, you know, uh, Ryan turned me on to the stuff that Normal was doing obviously the, the marijuana justice marches up in Albany. Um, through, through that connection, I also got connected with Grizzly Beaucourt and Kate Caridi at Canaware Society. So I started volunteering some time to help, help them, um, you know, with some of their events and stuff like that. And just, you know, I, you know, you and I were kind of talking a little bit about, you know, you know, I grew up in Washington state, right? And so things like the social equity programs and and those are all things that I really learned about in that period of time. Those are not things that, um, I, you know, I understood the damage of the war on drugs and I, I, I understood it at a macro. I watched a documentary level, but I didn't necessarily realize that my friends were impacted by it or their uncle or their aunt, right? And and that these are real people that it happened to in New York that I was dealing with now because I grew up in Spokane, which was, you know, the reason Washington was ignorant to a lot of this stuff is they just, they don't, they didn't have some of the, the same problems that we had in New York. So really understanding what we were fighting for with legalization in New York, doing the advocacy stuff and networking with people and just, you know, trying to add as much value as I can as somebody who comes from a marketing and business profession just you know, just to just add value to the conversation because every person I've met in the scene has added some perspective or value to the journey, you know? 
Absolutely. And shout out to Grizzly and Comeback Daily. Love those guys. I miss hanging out at Comeback Daily. Boy, those are good times out there. And I want to, I'm going to make a quick shameless plug for my book, the Cannabis Business Book, in which I say advocacy and activism is mandatory if you want to be an entrepreneur in this space. And if you're new to the space or the community, it's one of the best ways to get educated and build your network and build some credibility. So, you know, the fact that you are out there volunteering and, you know, basically putting in time and effort for the cause, you know, to me, that's like, one, if you're not willing to do that, you probably shouldn't be in this industry. And two, it's honestly, I think the best way to actually get ahead in this industry is to, to be a part of the movement first. So kudos to you for doing that, Justin. I want to shift gears now and actually talk about BudsFeed. So for the folks at home who may not be familiar with it, first of all, go to BudsFeed.com and get involved, make it part of your cannabis rotation. But Justin, I'd love to hear from you. You know, what is BudsFeed? Why does it matter? How should people engage with it? And, you know, I, I will make the disclaimer that I know the answer to these questions. And I think the platform is great. I fully endorse it. I think it's fills a very needed gap in the marketplace. So kudos to you for actually being innovative and creating something new, which I feel like a lot of people just come into this space trying to copy and recreate the wheel, which look, there's nothing wrong with following the blueprint, if you will. But to actually create something new and different and solve a problem, it's a lot more difficult. And in my judgment, you've done that. So kudos to you. Now, tell the folks all about BudsFeed. Yeah, so, so in its simplest form, you know, BudsFeed is a platform for sharing cannabis-related products and services. Um, anybody can sign up and seed a product on the platform. But I would say that my main focus is really brands and entrepreneurs. Um, there's a lot of activity of people who love products that are sharing, you know, seeding it on BudsFeed. But, but really, you know, the goal long-term is if, if you're an entrepreneur and you're coming out with a new cannabis-related product or service, make it part of your launch plan, right? And there's a couple, couple core benefits to that. One, you're going to start building backlinks to your site. Um, which is valuable, you know, as you start to do reputation management, like you, for instance, with your book, we got to seed your book, have you seed your book on budsfeed.com because, you know, when it starts to come SEO time, you want to own the front page of your search results and you want to control what you see it on budsfeed. So, you know, when people click that get it link, they go buy your book. Um, so it helps you build backlinks. You're obviously exposing yourself to a broader audience that is growing every single day. And then if you get, uh, if you become one of the most upvoted products of the week and end up in our top five, you kind of get celebrated is what I say in our top five seeds, which is, you know, we, we, we have a little module at the top of the website for you where you stay at the top of the website for a whole nother week. We feature you in our email newsletter and we feature you on our, our social media. So um, really in my world, participation makes the world go around. And then, you know, the, those who perform the best kind of get, above and uh, above and uh, sorry an above average kind of expected uh, exposure from the platform and it's all free 
Um, and, and really, you know, the main idea behind it is that there's so much innovation happening in the cannabis space. And there are, you know, either people that are inventing these things, or there's, you know, cool people that are discovering these things. And the only way to really bring all that stuff to the surface is by kind of crowdsourcing it, right? And allowing other people to bring that to you. Because otherwise, it's always like, you know, everybody's message is always top down. If I'm selling a specific product, I'm only going to be talking to you about that product. Um, so that was really the idea. And it was, you know, trying to, you know, I, I felt like the, the industry in general was hungry for opportunities to expose themselves as much as possible, get as much promotion out there as possible, and, um, you know, basically create something that adds value to them. And then on the, on the face value of it, if you're just a consumer, it's like window shopping for weed products, right? Like you can go there and you can spend, you know, I think on average, our users spend four to five minutes per session on the site because they're just sitting there scrolling through, you know, unicorn rainbow <laughs> paper, rolling papers, new books, you know, a nail salon that lets you smoke weed. At it. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different stuff. There's about 50 different categories. So on the outside, it, uh, you know, really is, is, uh, becomes kind of a catalog that consumers can can explore. Yeah, I I love it and I'm going to I'm going to make another shameless plug because I I and even though I kind of hate this, it's you know, when people are pitching stuff and it's like it's the this of weed or it's the this of, you know, um I I feel like the inspiration for my book, which is available on amazon.com was the you know it's the think and grow rich of weed and when i when i see bud's feed i think it's like a combination of it's like product hunt meets pinterest but for weed which yeah. i think is like a, a very potent hybrid if you will but would you say that's like a fair characterization of it it's totally fair you know what's really funny is I'm a, I'm an Uber, I'm a fanboy of, uh, of, um, now I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden from, from product time, Ryan Hoover. Um, I think Ryan Hoover is a really, you know, inspirational. He's, he's kind of from my area where I grew up. Um, I think what he built with product time is really cool because it elevates those entrepreneurs and those indie developers that are developing really cool stuff. It might not be the next Google app, but it could be you know, the next Slack integration that makes a few million bucks or whatever. Um, so, so product hunt was definitely an inspiration. And, uh, you know, the thing I realized though, that was a little different between like a product hunt or a Reddit and the cannabis space was that most of the people that were in the cannabis space were really into Instagram. And so what I really realized was it's more the visual part of it. So product hunt is more, you know, thumbnails and very minimal descriptions and very kind of more like a, a forum looking platform. And um, I noticed that when I made BuzzFeed more card-based and visual, I just, the, the traffic stuck way, way harder. Cause I used to have it, it used to be a much simpler interface. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a very fair description. Nice. All right. So I'm glad you know about product hunt too, because sometimes I bring that up with people and, you know, cause like when I, when I talk to other people that have been in tech, a lot of them are, down with it they understand what it is too and how powerful it is and i certainly wanted to um capture some of that 
some of that magic with BuzzFeed because it's an equally small category of people. You know, Leafly just said what? You have 310, three, I can't remember the number, 325,000 people in this industry. You don't need to build the next Instagram or Facebook of weed. You need to create something that can really embrace that small but growing group of people, you know? Absolutely. Something that actually solves a problem, which I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, and a problem that enough people have that you could build a scalable business behind it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Justin, I want to ask you, I know that you work on some other cool projects and I, I wanted to ask you to speak a little about what else are you working on and what are you most excited about of all the things that you work on? Totally. Um, yeah. So, so the business model, honestly, with, with BudSpeed, I try not to go the route of your traditional publisher. Um, I just think even in the best of worlds that aren't cannabis related in publishing, it's, it can be very difficult to make money that way and only that way. And um, so a lot of what I do is, you know, consulting, usually when it relates to brand marketing and stuff like that, um, brand marketing, digital, digital um, strategy, those types of things that are, are kind of in my, in my, you know, background. Um, but one of the things that I've really, you know, started to lean into is as products come through the platform, oftentimes I'm meeting these entrepreneurs who are, you know, looking to take the next step themselves and uh, identifying business opportunities that I can get involved on. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently, I'm consulting a, a, an amazing processing facility in Michigan. Um, I'm working on another, you know, launch of a, a pretty interesting vaporizer technology right now. But the thing that I'm most interested in is the chill, which is, you know, the world's first stainless steel vacuum insulated smoking device, which, um, you know, is really, an organic story that happened with BudFeed. I mean, my partner in that company, Rich, um, was one of the first 100 subscribers to my newsletter before I ever built the website. Um, he was referred to me by, you know, his sister who I had worked with in the past on Walmart and Unilever in a crazy past world in our, in our, in our advertising life. And, uh, you know, we really, we really took this idea he had and, and the technology and the background that he had as a, from, from his career. And, uh, you know, we bootstrapped a real business that, you know, is, is, has gotten a wholesale deal now. Um, you know, we have inventory coming, uh, you know, to the, to the country and uh, it's getting a lot of interest now. So that's been super exciting to just have something that's literally um, came to you as a sketch on a, a little more than a sketch on a napkin, like, you know, a, a 3D diagram, but, and to see that really come to life and not only have it have the response that you thought it would, but more so, that's been, that's been exciting because you know, it's almost as exciting as building BudSpeed itself, because it literally is something from scratch. A lot of the companies I help, you know, maybe they've gotten off the, over the first hump or two. And this was one where it was like, you know, we actually went to the lawyer and created the formation documents together. So. Nice. And yeah. I see you have some of some of the products behind you. Would you would you bring one up and just uh, show the folks? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't have any of the the um, old pieces in it right now, but um, 
So yeah, so this is the chill. This is the classic stainless steel chill. Um, food grade stainless steel, um, ceramic interior line, um, vacuum insulated, um, and uh, yeah, completely compartmentalized. So, you know, if I wanted to, we have a lot of different designs here. This is, uh, I, I like to call this the Eames chill, but I can't probably legally say that. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting about all of them is, you know, as you start to collect, if you want to mix and match your necks, you can start to create different designs. You know, we'll have the different, pretty much any finish you can think of. And so the main technology behind it is, you know, A, it's, it's stainless steel. It's not going to break. You know, if it's really designed to keep your water at the desired temperature for up to 12 hours. So if you like steamy water, you can keep warm water warm too. Um, and then um, the ceramic interior. And so the ceramic interior is another one of the patented features along with the, the insulation, you know, because we just know that there's people that have sensitivity to either metal taste or even the perception of hitting out of metal. So, um, you know, the ability to, um, you know, hit from something that cleans and, and, and feels like glass. There's no, no exposure to metal. Um, and, you know, obviously the compartmentalization is really uh, going to drive, hopefully, the, the personalization and allow people to, you know, maybe they do end up crushing a neck and they want a new one. That's, you know, that's one possible scenario. But really, like, you know, some people have 10, 15 pieces in their house. Maybe they want to mix up, mix and match, you know, the style of their chill. So, yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been one of those things too. Like we really were leaning. You can tell by most aspects of the product, we were really leaning into the vacuum insulation as that differentiator. But as we exposed it to more people, kind of these you know three or four other things became really particularly um, uh, apparent. You know, um, a lot of people just love the tech. They're like, I'm not going to break that thing. So. That's yeah, right. Man. And we'll have Rich on the show at a future date because he's also got a pretty unique background and an origin story into cannabis. And I I have the bong at home. I have two of them, actually. And I was surprised because I, I used to really enjoy the warm water. And then yeah. I, I hit this with the warm water. And, you know, I've just I, I feel like the cold water is much better so I, I don't know that's just one data point here but i i really like the product i think it's very high quality and i'm excited i don't know if this is public or not if if not i can cut it out don't worry but i'm excited for the modular glass piece the the glass yeah. neck with the perks and all that stuff i think that's going to yeah. be really sweet i was just going to say that in particular you know once we start building those adapters and we really want to make that open source too. We, we want, you know, one thing that's really important, again, understanding your community that you're going into, you don't want to alienate the glass community. The glass community is, is an underpinning of this entire thing, you know, like, so we want to make that open source. We want to give people the ability to make necks and perks and all these different types of things for it, for sure. Nice. We have a few of our own that are coming, hopefully coming very soon. I don't have a, a, a date on them just yet, but we've been working on the adapters pretty hard. Awesome. Justin, I want to ask you, what is the 
biggest challenge you've faced as a cannabis entrepreneur? The biggest thing that I think most entrepreneurs really face is some level of loneliness and just knowing that you're really doing a lot on your own and feeling that way um, because your community can't, you know, when you don't work for a company, you're used to working for a company that has 35 people and then you don't. And you have a, you know, there's people that support you, but they can't, they're not there like employees. That, that gets difficult. You know, you have to do a lot of heavy lifting yourself. Sometimes you just can't get to everything on a daily basis. And, you know, that can, that can sometimes feel like, I think the, the end of the world, uh, you know, if it's if enough serious things happen in one day. Um, I would say that. And for me personally, one of the things that became hard was, yeah, you entered, you know, I entered into a new community where I definitely had to learn a lot of new, new stuff to be perceived close to the level I was in my other professional life. But a lot of the tricks that I had from my other professional life aren't gonna work in this industry, right? I, I, I've done over $50 million worth of Facebook advertising in my career. I can't do a drop of that <laughs> in cannabis, right? Like I've literally, you know, probably invested you know, honestly, easily over half a billion dollars in media in my advertising career to places that, you know, that it just won't benefit the cannabis space. So you kind of have to rewrite it. You know, fortunately, my background is in social media. So a lot of that is like hacking the organic graph anyway, and trying to figure out what you can get out of just building a following. But it's kind of what we're stuck with in this space. So yeah, yeah, you know, feeling a little bit of that loneliness and knowing some of the things that that maybe got me ahead previously aren't really in play in this industry, um, or things that I knew really well didn't hold nearly as much value in this industry. Yeah, I hear that, and that's that's tricky for sure. And I'll share a fun fact that I've been banned from Facebook advertising for years now because I used to promote you know, events and articles. And I got banned without warning, without any notice or anything. And every time I go to appeal it, I get an error. Like I yeah. submit the thing and it's just like error. And I, I'm like, okay, thanks, Facebook. Black thanks ball. for nothing. I, I, I had, I've, I've snuck a few things through, like I do some of these like videos and some of these interviews with like entrepreneurs I could probably pull off, but like, like I did the hemp flax tractor, right. And I was able to get, uh, to promote that video one time just for, you know, cause I was just trying to get some views. I was trying to get, you know, people to understand, you know, what BuzzFeed was. And so, but, but outside of that, I, you know, I would keep getting denied. And, and frankly, my fear was getting blocked because it was just like, it was reaching the point where the, the, the time exchange wasn't there. Like, even if I was able to advertise, it's like, oh my gosh, I spent two days trying to get this like hacked through Facebook. And then, you know, a week from now, I could be completely banned. And I, I burnt all that time. So kudos to the people that are out there doing it. Um, you know, I've had a conversation with another entrepreneur recently that they're a big, hemp company and they get they get frustrated because you know even the really big time companies like they have they have enough money or the like cbd cosmetic companies they have enough money to have people just sitting there figuring out how to work the system um 
but yeah, for the little guys, man, you know, you and I trying to promote our events here in New York or, or, you know, a, a local product or something like that. Um, it just, it's not worth the, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to shift gears to the coaching portion and ask you, what's your biggest business buzzkill right now? Biggest business buzzkill. Um, I think the biggest challenge I have is that there is, this is going to sound a little weird. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity there out there. And honestly, you can talk about new opportunities every single day with people and they might be real opportunities. But if you spend four hours a day talking about opportunities, four hours a day doing real work, it's very difficult to ever pursue those real opportunities. So I have a handful of really, you know, real investment opportunities, real um, monetization opportunities with the platform. And I, I think I struggle with like, oh, okay, should I go, should I chase the big picture and go after these investors because it's something that I know how to do? Um, or should I focus on the thing that's going to generate the revenue right now that's going to get the investors interested down the line. And so, um, yeah, just a matter of, of building the ship while flying it, you know, and, 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 and really um, taking the time to focus on opportunities one at a time and, and really uh, prioritize them, I think, is, is probably prioritization if you boil it down into one word. Gotcha. So the good news for me is that I talk about this in the book that, you know, this is the paradox in cannabis. It's there's no shortage of opportunities. In fact, there's so many opportunities that the problem is just focusing and sticking to one long enough to see it through. So I, I think that that's a challenge that pretty much everyone in the space faces at some point. And the bad news for you is that I'm going to offer you when, after we get off the podcast, I'm going to offer you an opportunity that came to mind that I think is actually pretty compelling, but you know, now I feel a little guilty. I'm going to add to your plate of potential distractions, <laughs> but um you know, right, I love it. That's also the problem. <laughs> right. That's trust me. I'm, I'm, I love the distraction. I'm totally in the same boat with you there where I'm like, there's so much cool stuff that I could be doing and I want to learn about it. I want to hear about it. So this is totally so exciting, my problem yeah. too. Um, and, and so the question I'm going to ask you is how do you prioritize right now? What is your process for prioritizing? It's very, you know, it's interesting. So my advertising world, this was a problem too. I worked at a couple of very hot agencies that got a lot of inbound, right? And I actually, um, I created a methodology. Uh, it was revenue, resources, reputation, and reward. Um, does it represent the right amount of revenue? Do I have the resources to do it? Does the brand have a good reputation? Do they pay net 60 or do they pay net 15? That's a big deal if you're a company and you're in cash flow, you know, stuff like that. Are they jerks or are they not? You know, are they known to fire their agencies within a year or are they not? 
Um, and then reward is like, okay, even if even if the revenue isn't up here, is it gonna, are we gonna create award-winning work down here? Um, and, you know, sometimes for your creative team in an agency, you have to, you have to go to, you know, pick up ESPN as a client. They're not gonna pay you the same as some of your other clients, but you're gonna do an ESPN commercial, right? And you're gonna put that on your reel. You're gonna retain your, ta your talents and your team. So that's how I did it. And I don't think I've actually come to as, as good of a process in my personal life because it's just me and I'm not, I had to do that to wrangle in like 12 executives in an agency, you know, to, to give them a framework. But it's been spent chasing money in the last two years. Um, anything that helps brings more people, creates more connection is really my top priority because that is that is the thing that feeds everything that is the flywheel or the heartbeat of the of what i'm trying to build um and then from there it, it really comes down to um investing time in things that are going to you know be have financial upside to the platform so anything that's community driven you know entertains the community keeps them engaged builds those those engagement and um, you know, I won't, I wouldn't say following numbers, but you get what I'm saying. Kind of the soft metrics that tell me that my community health is good. That's, that's kind of numero uno. And then, uh, my, my second priority is really focusing on, on cashing in on some of the more immediate financial opportunities. Like, you know, if, uh, if somebody, and this is, I'll give you a range of what those are. Somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, I need an accountant. I, I haven't, um, you know, my, my account doesn't want to deal with cannabis anymore. I can just refer somebody to an accountant and I have a couple of people that I work with that, um, you know, I just trust and I can hand people over to, um, you know, on the other hand, some people might want some, some, uh, and, you know, and I can get commissions off that. I'm very transparent about like who I'm doing certain deals with and whatnot. Um, and then sometimes I do brand stuff. Like if it's, if it's something that's really in my wheelhouse as a marketer, and I can do uh, a retainer project and it's, you know, a few hours a week, um, you know, I'll prioritize that because A, it allows me to work more in the cannabis environment, which I learn something every time I, I do it. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, we all got to eat. So you got to make a little bit of money to, uh, you know, I spent, I really did spend about two, a year and a half, two years, like not you know, leveraging the funding I was able to get and just pushing it as hard as I could. And it's not like I got like an uber, uber amount of funding. It's just, you know, priority was growing the community, getting feedback on the platform, building software that actually reflects how people interact in real life. Like that's really hard. Like people take for granted how good Facebook and Instagram are and how well they work. Not without billions of dollars of engineering and testing and you know buying server farms that speed up their app versus everybody else's you know so uh but yeah yeah commu community the money i guess is the best way to put it <laughs> i like that and i want to i want to repeat that framework because for the folks who might be watching or listening use this this is a great framework the uh, revenue Re resources, reputation, reward. 
It's a great framework to assess, is this worth my time? And ultimately, every business decision you're going to make is going to come down to time and money. Is it worth the time and money? And I think that, you know, it's really interesting what you said about any project you do in cannabis, you learn something. I think that's incredibly important to recognize that getting experience, getting, building that cannabis resume, so to speak, is important, especially if you're approaching the industry in what, which is, in my judgment, the correct way to do it with a long-term view, because, you know, the more of that stuff you add to your, your resume, the, the more you enhance your reputation, the more you build trust, the more you'll get referrals, the more opportunities will find you. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hearing that you maybe haven't applied that framework as much to cannabis stuff as you may have, or you may, um, but it seems like you actually know what the priorities are. Um, and, you know, one other thing I'll offer just based on my past experience, when once upon a time, I used to sell software to agencies and marketers, you know, you have the, the benefit of coming from that world of being extremely metric and data driven and oriented. So, you know, when you say community is the goal or money is the goal, uh, or priority rather, I think it's critically important again for people who might be listening at home that you need to have metrics or KPIs around whatever your priorities are, because then when something comes across your plate, you can ask yourself, you can, you can have some built-in, um, I don't know if accountability is the word, but some kind of like a, a built-in checkpoint to see how is this opportunity going to improve or or increase my KPI and right. and if you don't have that clear answer then it's much easier to say no which again I I can speak just from my personal experience it's this is a big challenge of mine saying no to stuff saying no to hearing opportunities or learning more about potential projects or even the entrepreneurs that are building these projects, because, you know, like you, for me, community is a priority and connecting with people and knowing what's going on and who's working on what, you know, it's, a, it's an important piece of the puzzle for me, but it doesn't add revenue today, usually. Um, right. So, yeah that's, yeah, that's part of being in an early industry and even the things that do add revenue. Maybe you're doing it for less revenue than you're used to in a previous, in a previous world. But, you know, like part of that's because some of this stuff's never existed before. I think, um, uh, I think the reward is always there. The reputation is always important. The resources are rarely there because it's often me. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah, the revenue. So, you know, if, if, if there's a little bit of revenue and they have a good reputation, those, those are the two R's that I need to get, to get going right there. Cause they're both going to go towards that goal of building community and building that. I think I've internalized the four R's over time and just how I think through stuff. But, um, 
it's definitely definitely a framework worth using for um, especially if you manage a lot of people trying to identify opportunities. That's where that's where I find it's really helpful for me. I kind of just do the calculation in my head and determine if something worth pursuing because I do stuff outside of cannabis as well. You know, like I my my general my general rule of thumb if I'm working with a client right now that that is a revenue opportunity is it's either a local business it's a social good opportunity where I'm doing like I did uh, I helped American Express launch their reclaimed ocean plastic card last year um, which is a big client it's a lot of moving parts it's a lot of work to deal with a client that size but I was doing something good or it's got to be in cannabis those are kind of my three my three criteria right now for any kind of consulting work I do because either got to feel good that I'm doing social good or I'm helping a local business or I'm diving into the thing that I want to be in, you know, hundred percent of my time. So nice. Awesome. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to add a fifth R to, to your framework, if I may, which is risk. And I think it's critically important, especially in cannabis, especially when that reputation piece and that revenue piece are sometimes questionable. Right. I think it, I think it's really important to to think about what is the risk on taking on a particular project or a particular client, and and you know not just in terms of well, what if I don't do a good job? What if it doesn't work out? What if I waste my time here? But specifically, I think understanding that you know there's only so many hours in a day and opportunity cost is, you know, sometimes very sneaky. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize, or I should say, sometimes I don't realize how much time I'm spending going down the rabbit hole that could have been spent elsewhere, generating revenue, building the reputation, building relationships. And so I think it's, it's critically important when assessing any opportunity to, to think about What's the risk here? What's the risk that I have to take? What do I have to give up to take this on? Or what may go wrong here and might actually backfire if things don't work out? So I'm going to offer that to the audience as well. For sure, man. I think, yeah, anytime you're in a a compliance-ridden industry like this in particular, that becomes even, even more important, right? Absolutely. Um, because there is a lot of risk, you know, you might invest, you know, you're not building a, a processing facility for less than 5 million bucks. So there's definitely money at risk. There's certainly, you know, reputational stuff at risk for some people. Um, you know, if you don't hire the right people, they can put you at further risk. So yeah, it's definitely a much more considered career field to get into than working in an advertising agency, right? <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Justin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. And I, I got to, as soon as we get off here, I'm going to have to get on the platform and seed my book and seed the podcast on there. And hopefully I can make it to one of the, the top, uh, the top picks, but in any case, I, I want to thank you. And before we disconnect, I, I would love to chat with you for just five minutes on this, uh, potential opportunity, potential distraction. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh-
high. Mike Z is high. Mike Z is high. Mike Z is the cannabis business coach. High. Mike Z is high. Mike Z is high. Mike Z is the cannabis business coach.